Hey everybody, it's Pastor Will. Welcome or welcome back to the Brazos Fellowship Podcast. Thank you for listening today. And at the end of this episode, please take a moment to subscribe to this podcast if you aren't already. But more importantly, I hope the following presentation inspires you to take the next step in your faith journey. Enjoy. Well, good morning, everybody. How are we doing? Good. My name is Sean. I want to welcome you, especially if you're new with us. Uh, thank you for being here. I'm the executive pastor here at the church, and so I get to work with each of the ministries, helping those leaders um, develop their environments and create the ministries that uh, many of you enjoy. Also get to uh, help out with the day-to-day operations here at the church, and every now and then I get to fill in for Pastor Will, and so you got to show up on one of those days. Sorry. Um, <laughs> No, but we're glad you're here. And if you resonated with that, with that um, office space clip, uh, I'm glad that you did because we're going to be talking about work today because work has such a huge part in our life. And for many of us, we're really frustrated with work. Well, how do I know this? Because the Pew Research Firm has done a, a research and they find that 80% of Americans, 80% are frustrated in their current job that's crazy but that's the state of where a lot of us are in in this room right now we're we're frustrated we're wondering and we got a lot of things that we're trying to figure out and so this morning i just want to take some time to talk about work that plays such a big part in our life and you may be out there going sean i'm so glad we are talking about this but what do you know about work you're a pastor you're right i only work one day a week i have no clue what's going on out there you may not know this, but I didn't, this was not my dream job. This is not the job that I thought I was going to do. I was, my dream job was to coach and teach the high school level. There's only one problem with that. You need a teaching certificate for that. And I didn't like college, and college did not like me. And so my on and off again relationship with college, working to get my certificate, meant I did a lot of jobs. I've been a waiter. I've been a bartender. I've been a landscape artist, which means I just mowed lawns. I have... Um, Worked for a large animal vet that we did, went out to work with quarter horses and race horses. I have um, stripped and waxed. Um, you know, remember White's Cafeteria? I would go in at night and I would strip and wax floors to three different White's Cafeterias each night. That was fun. Uh, and then one of my favorite jobs was I worked for this company and they had these huge cooking vats because they made industrial food for, for companies. And so they would, it was huge. And you'd crawl down inside of them. I, I cleaned those uh, every night. I've had a really fun time at work. So you now see why I finally went back to college and my wife made me. So, um, <laughs> but then I got my dream job and I was coaching and teaching and, and life was good. And then God came to me and said, I've got a different dream job for you. And so Pastor Will asked me to come onto this staff and I, like you, I was shocked to find out churches doesn't run itself. I mean, we've got bills to pay. We've got buildings to build. We've got buildings to maintain. I sat in budget meetings, I sat in planning meetings, I sat in staffing meetings. We have to hire people, we have to train people. I get to listen to conversations with disgruntled um, attendees. I get to listen to conversations with disgruntled employees. I get to do everything you get to do, and I get to read my Bible and pray. And so it's pretty good. Now here's why I know I'm really passionate about this, though. For the last few years, I've got to work with um, community leaders, and also some leaders around the nation, helping coach them up and elevate their leadership as we work through some of the main problems and frustrations they have in their organization. And it's taught me a few things about this topic this morning. 
And I want to bring that to you, and I want to share it with you. But one of the things I've found throughout the board, no matter where you are, whether you um, are working out in the field or whether you're working in a boardroom, there's a sentiment out there that our work life is really being put in a penalty box. Monday through Friday, we are put in a penalty box. And it keeps us from doing the things that we want to do. All of us are working for the weekends. Because in the weekends, we get back our life. In the weekends, we get to do the things we want to do. And there seems to be this big gap from what we have to do to what we want to do. And inside that gap, there is just frustration and pain and fear and depression. And it doesn't matter where you are. And there's a thought that we have. If I could get out of this day job that I'm in, and I could move into my dream job, all this would go away. I wouldn't have to deal with these problems anymore. My life would be so much better if I was in my dream job. So how do we get here? How do we get stuck in this gap? It's simple. We have bills to pay. We have bills to pay, so we have to say yes to jobs. And also we get into them like, oh, I don't know if this is where I'm supposed to be. This morning I want to share with you a principle that we, we find in Scripture that I think can help you find a path from your day job to your dream job. Now, before we go much further, I want to define real quickly how I'm using these words, day job and dream job. Your day job is the job you do that drains us. Now listen, you can be really good at this job. In your organization, you may be the best person in your organization at doing these tasks, but they drain you. And if you do them enough, you will have burnout. And many of you are having burnout right now because this is what you do. Now, here's the crazy thing. Leaders of organizations, owners, they're feeling this. They're in their dream job, but they're feeling day job stressed because their dream job is filled with day job tasks. And they're frustrated. And they feel like they're trapped, just like their employees. Now, what's your dream job? Well, your dream job is the work you do that energizes you. This isn't about a corner office. This isn't even about a title. This isn't even about a career or a position. This is about to get to do work that, man, you feel good about it. When you go to bed at night, you are so sore from the day's work, but you're looking so forward because tomorrow morning you get to get up and do it again. It doesn't matter the career you're in. It matters the work that you're doing. And if we can get to this, that's what we're all looking for. This is what we're all hoping for. But very few of us have found this. I want to show there is a path. There is a path. And if we'll stick to it, we can get there. I think if you're in this place this morning where you feel stuck in this gap, I can visualize where you are. I think you feel you look, it's like this. You're at a crossroad, and you're trying to decide, do I stay or do I go? Wouldn't it be so nice if that's really what it was? If it was just an A or B decision. But it's never an A or B decision. What you're really feeling looks like this. Because every decision that you make has an outcome future. And that outcome future gets tied to all parts of your life. 
And so it's complicated. It's complex. And so you're spinning around going, what do I do? What do I do? I don't know what I should do. Because it's not that easy. It's not an A or a B decision. It's way more complex than that. And it, wouldn't it be so cool? Wouldn't it be so cool in these moments if we had a clue? If like in the movies, you know, in the movies whenever a character gets to a, 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 a crucial point where they've got to make a decision, watch every movie. A clue shows up or a guide shows up. And in those moments when they've got to make a decision, the clue or the guide give them direction on where to go. Obi-Wan showed up for Luke. The, the movie um, National Treasure, it's one clue after another leading the characters to the final destination. Wouldn't it be cool if we had that? We do. And I want to unpack for you a clue that we get through Jesus. It's really not a clue, it's really a principle. And it's going to be unpacked in a business story that he tells. It's a parable. And we can find that parable uh, in Luke uh, chapter 16. And here, this story is, 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 is um, a business owner and his manager, okay? So he, the business owner is talking to his manager, and the business owner is not happy. He says this, What is it that I hear about you, talking to his manager? Give me an account of your management, because you, can, you cannot be my manager any longer. Okay, so here's the plot of the story. We have an owner, and we have a manager, and they're not seeing eye to eye. Can anyone relate to this? It's going on in every business. So Jesus comes out and goes, listen, I'm going to tell you something. This is so important. I want you to relate to this. Because what I'm going to tell you, it takes a little bit because it's not intuitive, but it's important. The manager thinks to himself, what shall I do now? My master is going to take away my job. I'm not strong enough to dig, and I'm ashamed to beg. I know what I'll do so that when I lose my job, people will welcome me into their houses. Pretty smart. I don't know if it's legal, what he's about to do, but it's pretty smart. But here's the funny thing is, Jesus is going to teach us that what he's about to do is wise. It's wise. What does he do? So, he called in each of his master's uh, debtors. He asked the first one, how much do you owe my master? 900 gallons of olive oil, he replied. The manager told him, take your bill, sit down quickly, and mark it as 450. Jesus doubles down, says next. Then he asked the second, and how much do you owe? A thousand bushels of wheat, he replied. He told him, take it, your bill, and mark it to eight now here's what's crazy that seems so wrong but Jesus in telling the story is about to praise what the manager did and here's the crazy thing he uses the voice of the owner to do this he says this the master commended the dishonest manager because he had acted shrewdly. What? We think this word shrewdly is bad. It's not bad. It's just cunning. It's just to see something and go, ooh, I know what to do in that. This is the wise thing to do in this moment. And Jesus through the master says 
Yes. There's a principle here you need to learn. There's a principle here you need to understand. And I'm making it a little complex, so you've got to wrestle with it. But it's important because he's about to lay down the bottom line of this. He's about to give us the clue or the principle that we can use in our life day in and day out. Verse 10, it says this, Whoever can be trusted with very little can be trusted with much. Whoever can be trusted with very little can be trusted with much. When I'm coaching, I say it like this. It's the little things that make the big things happen. It's the little things that we do that lead to the big things happening. Jesus saying, you've been entrusted with a little. If you will take care of it, it will lead to bigger and greater things. But you need to show that you can manage the little things, the details. You can make that happen. The manager was commended because he leveraged a present opportunity to provide for a future change. He leveraged his position, his authority, to help him in the future. He didn't do what we all did. He didn't grab and complain that the, manager, I mean, that the owner was about to fire him. No, he said, I've got what little time I have left and what little power I have left. I'm going to use this to affect my future. And Jesus says, yes, that's wise. That's wise. So what he's saying is this. The path to your dream job, it runs through your day job. The path to your dream job runs through your day job. Sean, what does that mean? The quintessential um, mythology of an entrepreneur in America, the picture that we see is the garage or the workshop. In that garage or workshop is where Disney, Walt Disney started drawing Mickey. He used the resources of his day job to pay the bills to take care of business, but he was tinkering in his workshop. And that tinkering in his workshop, that little stuff he was doing that no one was seeing, eventually led to something big. Steve Jobs was tinkering in his workshop. No one saw it. No one knew it was coming. And then Apple was born. Google started in a garage. Harley Davidson started in a garage, obviously. This is the picture. Whether it's true or not, this is the picture we all see. Why? Because it's a little thing, a small thing, that we can do that can impact our future. This isn't just in America. This is in Scripture. Moses. He had to learn how to lead sheep in the wilderness before he learned how to lead the children of Israel out of the wilderness. Peter built tents way before he built churches. Jesus made art out of wood and stone for the majority of his adult life, way before he ever made art out of people's souls. They were tinkering in the garage learning their craft. 
and it was going to lead to greater things. It's the little things. It's the little things that make the big things happen. And some of you right now are in a work transition. You've lost your job. Or there's a threat that you might lose your job. Or maybe you have a job, but you need to get out of that job. And you're struggling. And you're wondering, what do I do? I'm going to give you a little thing that you can do. And you're probably not going to take me up on this. Because it's going to mean you're going to have to swallow your pride. And most of us would rather stay in a bad situation than swallow our pride. It's just human nature. I'm not dogging you. I'm just telling you like it is. This is what we all do. But if you're in that situation right now, get on the phone and call 10 people. Because what you want to do is you want to hide. You want to go radio silent. You don't want to tell anybody the situation you're in. Because you're a little bit embarrassed. But that's not what you need to do. Get on the phone. Call 10 people. Invite them to coffee. And then say, hey, listen, here's what's going on. you have any thoughts? Do you have anything you could help me with here? That's a little step you can take that could lead to a greater future. It's a little step you could take that could lead to a greater future. And you may be going, I just don't know what to do though, Sean. I get that. In these moments when you don't know what to do, ask yourself this question. What do you control? What do you control? Because we're worried about a lot of stuff out there. We're worried about the economy. We're worried about the, where our job is going. We're worried about the company that we work for. We're worried about our division. Do we control any of that stuff? No. What do you control? Let me tell you, it's pretty small. It's just a few things. This isn't bad. This is manageable. This is a blessing. We can get up and now focus on these little things that we can control and let the other stuff go. So what are some of these little things that you could do? I've got a few of them for you. You can get a growth plan. You can control your own growth plan. You need to have a plan for where you want to go. If you don't, quit complaining. Because, yeah, you're right, you're lost. But you can control your own growth plan. A growth plan is made out of two things. It can be more, but this is the best one. The books you read and the people you know. The books you read and the people you know will help you go to where you want to go. When I was in my 30s, I heard that leaders were readers, and I laughed at that. And when I turned 45, I realized there's wisdom in that. So I've had a reading plan for the last few years. Started out, it was 12 books. I now read about 50 to 60 books a year. And you may be saying, Sean, you must really love to read. If you know me, I'm dyslexic. I don't love to read. I will tell you I cheat, and some of those are on audiobooks. But I'm consuming 50 to 60 books a year. Why? Not because I love to read but because you deserve me to be the best me I can be. 
Brazos Fellowship deserves me to be the best leader I can be. You don't need the Sean Parrish of today. You need the Sean Parrish who's preparing for tomorrow. And books have been my key to do that. We don't stop taking tests when we get out of school. Every day is a test in your life. And books give you the blueprint of how to pass that test. You deserve the best me. My wife deserves the best me. My kids deserve the best me. My friends deserve the best me. And books elevate me by opening up my mind to things I never even thought about before. So I don't read because I love reading. I read because I am about improving. And if you want to improve, start reading. It may just be one book a year, but start putting new things into your mind. The next thing you need to have is the quality of people that you have around you. You need to make sure that the people you have around you are elevating you. They're pushing you. I have a good friend of mine. He's in North Carolina. He's an executive pastor just like me at a church similar to ours. We met at a conference about five years ago, and every month since then, we get on a Zoom call together. We catch up, we see how things are going, but he pushes me and I push him. And here's the deal. We understand where we're coming from. We're in the same profession. And he doesn't let me get away with anything. He challenges me. But you know what he also does? He cheers for me like no one else. He is so excited for my victories. Danny Daniels, a member of this church body, he's been for a long time, and he's a good personal friend of mine. And I've learned so much about running a quality organization from that man. How to be a good husband, a good father. He elevates my game. Andy Bell, many of you know him as coach. He used to work for us for a while. All of you need an Andy Bell in your life. Every man needs an Andy Bell in your life to teach you how to be a man. And he does that. Corey Ging works here on staff. I'm not a patient man, and that man has taught me so much about patience and the beauty of it and the gift that it is. Pastor Will, we are so blessed to have him as the leader here because he takes his faith seriously, not just knowing the Scripture, but living them out. And he's challenged me to elevate my game as a disciple of Christ. It doesn't have to be older. It doesn't have to be in your age group. Jacob Jordan sat right here and led worship for us. I get to meet with him once a month. I don't know why he still meets with this old man, but he does. He's an incredible leader, and he challenges me every time we meet. And I know a lot of us are worried about the future, of this country and this church, we don't have to be with men like him. You need to have people in your life that elevate you, that challenge you. You give permission to do that, but they also, they applaud for you. And I mean, it's true. It's not, oh, you got a raise. <laughs> no, it's, wow, yes! That kind of friend. You can control that. You also can control your attitude. This is a tough one. When you're, when you're in a tough work environment, this is so hard to do. But I'm going to tell you right now, if you have a bad attitude in a bad environment, 
You got no chance. You got no chance. Many of you are depressed right now because your attitude stinks because your work environment stinks, and I get it. I'm not saying this is easy. But guess what? You and you alone control your attitude. No one else. You get to get a and make the decision, are you going to be a part of the problem or are you going to be a part of the solution? And that's hard to do. I'm not telling you this is easy. I'm just telling you this is what you control. You don't control anything else, but you control your attitude. You think it was easy for Moses when he was trying to get the Israelites out of the wilderness? God didn't even want to get them out of it. He was so mad at them. But Moses had an attitude of this is what I'm going to go do. Peter, if you read scripture, Peter, who wrote the majority of the Bible, not excuse me, Peter, Paul. Paul started a church in Corinth. He started it. And they turned their back on him. He still chose to love them. Attitude is something we control. It's a powerful tool, and we need to make sure that our attitude is right. And the last one that we can control is our work ethic. You can decide what you're going to do. Are you going to just go in, punch the clock, and get through and do the bare minimum? Or are you going to have a work ethic? Are you going to say, hey, I don't care what's going on with my other employee, with other, I'm going to give my all. I'm going to give my best. Because this has my name on it. This isn't the company's name. This is my name. And I'm going to have a work ethic. Because guess who's watching? Your Heavenly Father is watching. And He's seeing, do you have the work ethic now for the plans I have for you in the future? Because I'm preparing something for you, but you can't do it unless you work hard now. This is what you control. It's a small list. But because it's a small list, it's what we can do. We don't have to be overwhelmed. And I know you may be sitting there going like, I, I get this, and I'm sitting here stuck, Sean. I just don't know what the next right thing to do is. And I get that. That's hard. That's why Pastor Will is going to do a whole series on this. It's amazing how this lined up together. It's like we planned it. (laughs) But this is a true thing. Finding the next right thing to do is difficult. I get that. And now we're going to take some time. We're going to figure that out. But here's what you can start doing this week. Here's some things you can start figuring out what to do right now before this series begins. If you want to. Do the same thing. Call 10 people. Call them. Sit them down. Say, hey, here's my life. Here's what's going on. What do you think the next right thing to do is? Crowdsource it. See what people say. Or maybe you just need to have one wise friend. You call that wise friend. You say, hey, can we have, can we sit and have coffee? Can we have lunch? Here's, here's what I'm going through. What do you see in me that I do better than anyone else you know that might could give me a clue where I need to go? And you may be saying, Sean, I don't have any wise friends. They're all morons. <laughs> you figured out your next right thing to do. Go find a wise friend. <laughs> I'm really not joking. 
Go find somebody who has something you want, a life that you want, a job that you have, a career, and call and say, hey, can I talk with you? Here's my situation. What would you do next? And here's the last one. And I give it to you last because this is what we do. But it's not the last one you should do. It's the one you should do today. Pray. Pray. God, give me the wisdom to know what the next right thing to do is. But this is, for some reason, this is the last one we all do. We have to be at the end of our rope before we start praying. So I gave it to you in the list of how we normally do it. We'll ask everybody else. We'll complain to everybody else. And they can't do anything. He can. God, please give me wisdom. God, please show me what the next right thing to do is. It's so important. It's the little things that we get up and we do every day that lead to the big things. It's the little things that lead to so much. This isn't just a principle for business. This is the principle that God has used throughout Scripture. Moses I need you to go and free my people from the most powerful country and the biggest army in the world at that time. Uh, okay, God, how do you want me to do that? What's in your hand? A staff? You got all you need. Go. Hey, God, there's a big giant out there and he's making fun of us and he's making fun of you and he wants to destroy your people. What do you want me to do, God, if anything? David, what's in your hand? A sling? You got all you need. Get after it. There's a widow that we read out and she, she was at the end of her rope. She didn't know what to do. She cried out to God and God said, what do you have? And she said, a few empty vessels? That's all you need. Jesus, we got a lot of mouths to feed. And we don't got anything? We don't have anything? I mean, I'm holding a couple of loaves of bread and some fish. You got it. Now, you're smart. So you already are thinking this. Sean, that's not all they had. What they had in their hand wasn't all they had. They had God. Ding, 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 ding. You're so smart. That's the pattern. We cry out to God. He says, what do you have in your hand? Use that. I've got the rest. I'll win the battles. I will open the doors. I'll give you opportunities. You take care of what you have in your hands. It's that simple. But we want to focus on everything out there. When our life gets like this, this is what we start focusing on. When your life gets like this, start looking down. Okay, God, what's, what you put in my hands? What have you given to me that I'm supposed to use in this moment? If you're in a crisis right now, if you're trying to really wonder what you're going to do with your job, I got a little application for you. If this is good for everybody, so no matter where you are, Go home and read 2 Kings uh, 4, 1 through 7. This story, you're going to find a lot of hope. You're going to find a lot of hope in this story. 
and then sit down and ask these questions. What's your growth plan? What do you have in your hands? And what's the little thing you can start doing tomorrow that God could use to create big things? Guys, I get it. We will always come across bumps in the road. There will always be times of high stress. And if we keep believing that when we get to our dream job, all that goes away, let me tell you something, that is a lie. Whoever came up with, follow your passion and you'll never work a day in your life, is lying to you. I work with too many leaders who are in their dream jobs who are living in that gap of stress. But here's the cool thing. They've got an opportunity and you've got an opportunity to tell your story. And in that moment, when you're facing down your giants, you're going to tell your kids, your grandkids, your nieces, and your nephews, you're going to say, God took care of me. He killed my giants with just what I had in my hand. How did you get to where you are? I just took care of the little things. Every day I got up and I did what only I could do and I took care of the little things. And some days it didn't seem like much. But next thing I know, I'm getting bigger opportunities, I'm getting greater opportunities, and they built and they built and they built on. Until one day I'm sitting where I am now. And the only thing I can tell you that I did is that I took care of what God gave me to do. And it wasn't that much. You see, God wants to get us all to our dream jobs. He wants us to get us to where we get to work in our gifting for the majority of the time. And he's doing it by just inviting us to just follow him. One small step. One little step at a time. Will you pray with me? Heavenly Father, Lord, we just thank you so much. We thank you for loving us and Lord, for giving us this principle. More than importantly, Lord, we thank you that you fight the battles that we can't fight. You open doors that seem locked. You create pathways where there seem to be only rubble. And Lord, you invite us in to the do the work. So, Lord, may we just focus on what you've given us to do. May we take care of our attitude. May we take care of our work ethic. And may we start getting ready for the opportunities you have in store for us. By widening our opportunity, our knowledge base, by putting people into our lives who won't let us just sit on the side of the road, but they'll kick our tail and say, let's get up and go. Lord, you do all this because you love us. And the thing that stops us from truly experiencing this is we think we have to do it all. And you're saying, just trust me. Just trust me, I've got your future. I know where you want to go. But let's not get ahead. Just take it one step at a time. So, Lord, I'm praying for all of us out here. If 
we're stuck in day jobs, Lord, that we would start seeing the opportunities that those day jobs bring us. And we would start moving with you to our dream job. And if you're here today and you've never invited Jesus into your life, you've been going it alone and you're frustrated and you're tired and you're, truthfully, you're at your wit's end. But God's been speaking to you in this. He's been inviting you to come into his kingdom, to be a part of his family. And you're ready to say yes. I just want to lead you in just a a little prayer. There's nothing magical about these words. And it's really just the start of a conversation you'll continue having for the rest of your life. But you can just say it today. You just say, God, I'm tired. Tired of trying to do it on my own and getting nowhere. Lord, I need your help. I need to come into your family. I need to see what it's like to be able to just to follow, to be loved, to be forgiven. So Lord, I'm trusting in you today. I'm calling you my Savior. I'm calling you my Lord. And I'm accepting the gift that you've given to me to wash all my past away and to live in your kingdom from this day forward. If that's you this morning, would you be bold enough just to raise your hand and say, that's me. I'm giving my life to him. I'd love to just pray for you real quick as we close out. Lord, I just thank you. I thank you for what you're doing in this room. I thank you, Lord, you give us a path that we can take, and I pray we'll take you up on that. We'll swallow our pride. We'll stop believing it's all about what we do and start trusting in what you will do. And may we go out from here freer to represent your love, your mercy, and your grace to all we come in contact with. We pray this in your son's holy name. Amen. Once again, thanks for listening. If you live in the Brazos Valley, we would love for you to engage with us at one of our weekend services. For directions, service times, and information about our fabulous children's and student environments, visit us at brazosfellowship.com. That's brazosfellowship.com.